Beloved Bethesda Church, we'll read from Isaiah and we'll start from 52, verse 13, will overflow in 53, all the way to verse 6. If the passage would have not been broken down in chapters, this is where verse 13 in chapter 52, this part of the prophecy starts. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human resemblance. And, this form, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form nor majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgression he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed all we like sheep had gone astray astray we had turned every one of us to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all amen please be seated Beloved Bethesda Church, as we are celebrating today the victory of the Lamb of God on the cross, His death and the resurrection, and we have the elements of the Lord's Supper, the Holy Communion in our midst, we are turning again to the powerful prophecy of Isaiah 52-53. And I title my message this morning surely Jesus has borne our griefs and I'm gonna ask the, our brothers at uh, audio video to display the PowerPoint that I prepared especially for our brothers and sisters uh, that speaks that speak mostly in Romanian language just to help them uh, through the message. And when we turn towards Isaiah 53, my beloved brothers and sisters, we understand that nowhere, nowhere in the entire Old Testament, the gospel of Jesus Christ shines brighter and more the, the most clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ when Jesus of Nazareth was not even born 700 plus years later on 
these events prophesied by Isaiah, the man of God, God opened his eyes and he saw with so much clarity, with so much detail, what was this supposed to happen in Jerusalem 700 years later. There are several amazing things about Isaiah 53. And this, as Brother Simi mentioned, I will not claim that I'm bringing you something new. But I pray that the Holy Spirit will make it fresh in our hearts, in our minds, that our faith will be refreshed, will be strengthened, will be empowered by the Spirit of God to live to His glory. A lot of people say, oh, I'm ready to die for Christ. Let us first live for Christ. Let us live in empowered by the Spirit of God. And here in Isaiah 53, the Word of God combines the beginning with the end of Jesus' ministry. It combines the manger with the cross, Christmas with Easter. It combines the incarnation, Emmanuel, God, with us, with atonement, God for us. And this is actually so clearly explained to us that the heart of Christ's saving work, the atoning work of Jesus Christ is actually atoning. It is ispashida. We were saying that here we find the essence of the gospel explained to us. But reading the story of our salvation with so much detail, 700 years before it actually happened, we understand that we have here not only revelation, but also confirmation and validation. And those of us, and I assume among us, we have people that live with doubt pertaining to God's existence, pertaining to the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here we see in Isaiah 53, in all the prophetic messi uh, messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, which the scholars tell us there are about 350 plus prophecies pertaining and concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, they all were fulfilled in the birth Life, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only one, which is like a 2 to 3% of these prophetic messages that were given to us hundreds of years or millennia before Christ was even born, all were fulfilled except those per, uh, concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. So uh, uh, a huge 98% of all these prophecies were fulfilled in Christ in his life and ministry this is showing to us that the the historical work of God who told us his story way before it even happened so let's look in uh, verse 13 out of Isaiah 52 behold my servant shall act wisely in other translations it says Behold, my servant will prosper. That's what its closest 
closer to the Romanian translation, who was this servant of the Lord? Who was this servant of the Lord? And we see how the New Testament, the prophets and the apostles of Jesus Christ, they connected all these prophetic messages from the Old Testament, especially Isaiah, Isaiah 53 with Jesus Christ. Apostle Peter in, in 1 Peter chapter 2.24, he quoted actually Isaiah 53.5, where it says, By his wounds you have been healed and applies it to Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, if you remember when evangelist just, he was freshly ordained as a deacon, but the Lord used him as an evangelist. Philip, he was moved, he was taken by the Spirit and commanded to go and follow uh, that uh, man, eunuch, eunuch from Ethiopia. And he was coming home from Jerusalem, he was reading the, exactly this passage from Isaiah 53. And the man of God, Philip, asked that rich man, said, do you understand what are you reading about? No, but why don't you come in, join me, and I want to hear. And Philip got into his chariot, and he explained, and starting to preach the gospel and present Jesus out of this passage of the servant of the Lord. And Jesus himself, actually, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he referred to his own ministry Referring to Isaiah 52, 53, saying the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And this is the suffering servant because his suffering served to our salvation. Glory to God. And he continued, and to give his life as a ransom, as a substitute to many. And I know that, as I said, many Many sermons were proclaimed out of this passage from this pulpit, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will refresh our faith and to take our, exactly how Jesus said, do these things to my remembrance, to remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. I would like to observe together this morning, there are four prophetic truths in this passage in Isaiah 53 and the first one that we we notice right in the beginning of chapter 53 where apostle where Isaiah the prophet says who has believed what he, had, he has heard from us the answer is no one and this is what the first prophetic message that's it's compiled into this prophecy in Isaiah 53 is that the human race has rebelled against God. The entire human race have turned their backs onto God. And we see in Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, All we, like sheep, all of us have gone astray. All of us, we turn our backs onto God. And we didn't care what He had to say. We dishonor Him. And all of us, turn our ways and we follow our own way and this is actually the essence of rebellion this is the essence of rejection and unbelief remember when satan came to adam and eve in the garden of eden and said oh 
don't worry what God said because he knows that the moment you will disobey him and you will take out of this fruit, you will become like him. And that is the tragedy of Garden of Eden. We all became our own gods. We turn our backs unto God himself and we, everyone, followed our own ways. Aren't we all a bunch of rebels? Now, young folks, the children from Sunday school, college, and all of us, but we see that spirit of rebellion prevalent in the human race. We see it in the two-year-olds. We love them. I have grandkids that age. But you don't know what happened with them from those beautiful babies suddenly about a year and a half two they they call them the terrible twos something switches in them and uh, you say please don't do that and they will do exactly opposite of what you told them we as parents and nobody taught them how to be rebellious it is in us it is in all of us. It is the whole human race that turned our backs unto God. I turned to my own ways and I almost destroyed my life. It was the grace, the mercy of God that took me out of darkness and brought me into his light. We all turn on our own way. And this is our condition as a human race. We are a rebellious race. Secondly, the second prophetic truth that... Uh, prophet Isaiah is sharing through the spirit is the vision of the rejected servant Isaiah 53 says he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces he was despised and we esteemed him not several times we are told in this passage that we as humans the humans in Jesus' generation, they turned their backs onto Jesus and rejected him. Why was that? Verse 3 continues to explain to us. Verse 2, I'm sorry. He grew up before God like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should be attracted to him. When Jesus appeared in his generation, he appeared... In contrast with everything that in, in the psyche of the Jewish nation was formed about Messiah. Messiah was to be a, a, a warrior Messiah. He was to be a prince, a king, to knock the Romans, to destroy all the empires and reestablish the kingdom of David and Solomon. He wasn't supposed a meek individual. He wasn't supposed to be a merciful and he was supposed to be a warrior to destroy all the enemies or the perceived enemies of God. When Jesus came and appeared, his entire personality and character was completely in contrast with what the a ruler or what a prince 
or what a leader was supposed to be. His views regarding women, regarding money, regarding possession, regarding a passion, a, a vibrant passion for God and obedience to God the Father was contradictory to all that they stood for. And we as a human race, we rejected Jesus. He was a rejected servant. The third prophetic truth that's found in, the, in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was a ransoming substitute. When he was rejected, when the world turned their backs onto Jesus, Jesus was not caught by surprise. He knew. He came to serve as a ransom. And we are told in verses 4 and 6, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities and so on. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Atoning substitution. Instead of collapsing under the grief of our rejection over our, of the way we rejected him. He came to his own and his own rejected him. The Bible says Jesus bore our griefs. Instead of increasing our sorrows to punish us, he carried our sorrows. Instead of avenging our transgression, he was pierced for our iniquities in our place. Instead of crushing us for our iniquities he was crushed as our substitute and this is the gospel my beloved this is the good news God instead of us it was God with us when he incarnated he became Jesus of Nazareth born out of the Virgin Mary by pro prophetic words from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 but then in his perfection he was a perfect human being. He took upon himself all of our sins and past. That we are, I am ashamed of my past. He took upon himself not only our sins, but also our wounds, our illness and sickness. He took them upon himself and nailed them onto the cross. He is our substitute he is the lamb of god who died in my place and your place but all of these my brothers and sisters my beloved church and those of you who are watching on internet over the internet all of this the beautiful gospel that's explained in isaiah 52 53 is for nothing if we were not able to understand we we, we were blind we weren't able to see it and we see how the fourth prophecy of Isaiah's message is that the sight will be restored so people can understand the message. The rebellious people, their eyes will be given light. In verse 13, where we are told, Behold, my, sh my servant shall prosper. Jesus' death on the cross will not go in vain without bringing fruit for the kingdom of God to the glory of the Father. We are told in verse 15 in, in Isaiah 52, so Messiah shall sprinkle many nations. 
The blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, will be sprinkled over the human race. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. And this is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only that he performed all the necessary things for our salvation. It is the Holy Spirit that works in us, opens our minds. I was blind, but now I see. Without the work of the Spirit in our hearts, in our minds, we cannot see. I pray that if you are here this morning, or over the internet listening to this message, and you have not trusted your life with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes, the eyes of your soul, and you will see the King of glory. And you will see the mercy of God who sent His only begotten Son to die instead of you and instead of me. Because the Bible says here in verse 15, B, kings shall shut their mouths before, because of Him. We are told in Psalm ch verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 10 to 12, prophesying in the same direction, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. I might be a king of my own castle. I might be and you might be a king of your own destiny. But here we are told that we are to come and recognize and acknowledge the Lord of the Lords and the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory. I pray that the Holy Spirit would open all of our eyes. I pray for our prodigals, sons and daughters. I pray for those of you who might be halfway in the church and halfway in the world. You want to taste what's there in the world. I want to remind you. That today is the day when the Lord is speaking directly to your heart. What Isaiah has spoken in Isaiah 53, this is what the Spirit of God reflected and echoed in the heart of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, talking about Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself of his glory. He left the throne. He left all the worship of zillions of angels and he came and became a human being like you and me. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow those in heaven on earth and under the earth every knee shall bow I invite you to bow your knees the knees of your heart today together with me together with all who were redeemed and saved because one day Everyone who refuses to bow before the king 
one day they will bow anyway, but they will bow in terror, with dread, with fear, and eternal punishment. I'm not trying to strike fear in anybody's heart. I'm, I'm trying to take your eyes and direct them to Jesus. His glory, His mercy, His love for you and for me. And I pray that this morning we all looking and remember how much God has loved us in Jesus Christ. How much God has paid the price of ransoming our hearts, our souls, so we won't go to hell, but to go in heaven, not as servants, but as sons and daughters of the Almighty God, as brothers and sisters of our brother, firstborn Jesus, who now became the first among many brothers and sisters. I'm inviting you, my brothers and sisters, I'm inviting you, all of us, to worship the King and worship the Lord. Amen.